Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, for more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. This is Wednesday. It's Recovery Wednesday, and it's June the 22nd, 2016. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. Michael. You've got me. Can you hear me, sweetie? I do. Yep. Hello. You're on. Oh, okay. All right. Good. The way you said hello, Michael, I thought, whoops, maybe there's something not working with my microphone. But anyway, we are honored, delighted that everybody's with us to uh, to have this conversation today, to continue looking at this absolutely ancient recovery technology, the technology for recovering a human life, for going back to functioning out of the truth of who we are rather than getting stuck in addictive processes. Today's uh, Recovery Wednesday. And uh, when we look at the idea of recovery, we're talking about recovering the true state of being that we all started out in. Our definition, as I will repeat often and forever, is hold a newborn child, you know exactly what a human life is. You know what that awesome active presence of love feels like. And to recognize that there are all sorts of things we can become addicted to to avoid experiencing that. And oftentimes that addiction, that person, place, our, our definition of addiction is the compulsive use of any person, place, substance, circumstance, or activity. And the activity can use can also be modes of thinking that keep us from experiencing and being in touch with our highest guidance and or to keep us from feeling and dealing with something that's going on inside of us. And when we compulsively use those things to avoid contact with the truth of who we are or avoid feeling what's going on, then we get stuck in those patterns of addiction. And one can use anything from a thought. They can use pain, turmoil, trauma, hostility. One of the most common drugs on the planet is the drug of hostility, grief, rage. The granddaddy is that hostility drug. It's, uh, it's the one that uh, seems to uh, be the, the first to turn to when someone holds a goal that either they are not achieving or someone else is not achieving for them. And this is the, uh, the principle that leads one to recognize that the whole system is goal-driven and that the goal is what shows us in the surface mind something from the underside of the mind, the hidden part of the mind, and becomes this this. Uh, what you do with the goal in a circumstance where there's some sort of pain or turmoil or trauma is to cancel the goal, and the canceling of the goal is what leads to the act of forgiveness. And forgiveness means removal. It 
doesn't mean letting somebody else off the hook. It was interesting. I was communicating with someone the other day on Facebook, and I sent them a link to uh, to video explaining forgiveness, and um, and she wrote back and said, "Yeah, well, well, I understand that." And then was right back to her posts about what was wrong in her life and how it was somebody else's fault. It's like, well, the idea isn't to understand it. The idea isn't to know about it. The idea isn't to go, oh, now I'm aware that I can set it aside and keep doing my same old thinking, my same old, you know, gratifications, the same old things that get me attention or, you know, whatever I use. But to utilize the awareness of forgiveness to actually engage in the act of forgiveness and recognizing that the system is goal-driven, canceling a goal, collapses what the surface mind is seeing and gives access to the deeper hidden parts of the mind. The only reason people wouldn't want to, there are a couple of reasons, I guess, probably many, but main reasons why people wouldn't want to do that is one, they're getting something. They get a reward out of whatever their, their pained or disturbed process is. Oh, gee, I get attention. I, you know, all sorts of things happen in that regard. Or I think I deserve this pain or this trauma. And or I erupt into some energy that anesthetizes that pain or trauma. And once one engages in the process of forgiveness and chooses to let go of identification with or the need for whatever the reward is that comes with the pain or the trauma, then one starts to wake up to, oh, even in the presence of this event, I could experience the active presence of love. And why would I give that up if I can experience that? I'd only give it up because... My mind sees something else as being useful. My mind has another goal. And so this relentless pursuit of what's the goal that's driving this circumstance, and when I cancel it, what do I get in touch with, and am I willing to keep pulling forward the active presence of love until this underlying dynamic, this underlying energy is forgiven, is removed? So that's what we're here to do, and uh, Jeannie, is Dr. Tim with us? He is, and he's on, and so is Gail. Well, let's start it with a hello to Dr. Tim. Hello, hello. How do you be, young man? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm here to report that we had another, for, for my purposes, delightful group last night. Um, we watched the... Uh, Interpretation of the Beatitudes from Yeam, who channeled the Course in not Course in Miracles, but Way of Mastery, and we had several right. people last night who were wanting to do Still Point Breathing, and I had to explain to them it takes more than just a, you know, on the spot let's go do Still Point Breathing. So we agreed to plan one of those for the not too distant future, and then we listened to how the Beatitudes are. Um, can be interpreted as uh, instructions for breathing into and allowing things to flow whenever something unlike love comes into my awareness. And uh, we watched that, and then we had a very, very intense discussion about what it's like to do that, what happens in my interactions with other people when I do that. And um, so, again, I'm just blessed to have a group of people like that who are willing to sit and question those things deeply for themselves and and they it's it's getting very clear listening to some of the people who've come to the group for months and years now that they're changing their lives for the better week after week so it's a blessing to be around that and um and they're recovering from the false belief that they're something less than love. So so that's my report, and I'm here and uh, interested in what Gail has to say and other callers about Recovery Wednesday. Yay. Yay, the, uh, the genius when you get back to the first century Aramaic, and of course 
there are many shades of meaning. So Yayam has some powerful stuff to say. And to me, the um, the key thing to understand about the uh, Beatitudes is recognizing that as opposed to a nice philosophy, which I can remember when I was a kid, you know, the Beatitudes were there and you're told, you know, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. And it was kind of like this nice, you know, set of things you can do. You can be poor, you can mourn. And on and on, but when you go to the first century Aramaic, it's like, no, here's how you recover. Here's your set of recovery instructions. You go back to the truth of who you are, and what awakens in you is your natural state of being. So, definitely powerful stuff. And I can remember it wasn't until I wrote out of the Enlightenment manual that I rewrote the uh, Beatitudes out of the first century dictionary that third time around I was like, oh my God, this is a set of instructions. This isn't just a philosophy. And uh, so much is. And the Lord's Prayer is what people call the Lord's Prayer isn't a prayer, it's a set of instructions. And that's what Yeshua was doing. He was always instructing people on recovery. Here's how you do it. Here's how you recover the true state of being that you are. So, great, cool. And Miss Gail, how are you, young lady, out there in the, the far reaches of Illinois, as Jeannie would say? I I am well. Awesome. What's on your mind today? <laughs> um, a, a great deal. <laughs> I think I could oh, tie. Well. Um, <laughs> I think I could tie. Uh, what we're talking about and what we've been discussing all week or what I've heard you talk about all week, starting with energy and, and um, it's movement and, and healing and um, with my grand adventures with um, canceling goals that started last Monday. So should I start? (laughs) Let's go for it. Absolutely. Okay. Gotcha. Yay. Gotcha. I, I'm not exactly where where to start. Should I start with my confession first and then go with the um, with <laughs> the adventure? Okay, or? We'll hear confession. <laughs> sure, we'll just we'll hear confession and give you absolution. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> um, um, uh, last year when I attended, we can start um, out with a little. We we can start out with a little. My father plays dominoes better than your father. <laughs> it, I I don't think that's true. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, last summer um, at Heartland, I attended the Laws of Living class, and I right. uh, made the commitment to complete the the work after the um, forty two days six weeks after that to become certified in laws of living and I did all the other work in in that except for the worksheet and the reason why right. I didn't do the five worksheets a day because um, five worksheets a day are required with the rest of the worksheets um, my reason or justification or excuse is that. I was doing the worksheets and I hit a childhood sexual abuse issue. Um, when I was right. six years old, being molested by um, the son of my mother's first boyfriend that she had after the divorce. And so I was stuck and didn't do that. Talk to you about it with the agreement to come to Laws of Living again, try this again. And um, I did it again. I uh, started, I did all the other stuff. For the 10 weeks, um, or 66 days, which in my account, you know, it competes to 10 weeks for me. And then to um, do the five worksheets a day. And I got stuck again um, with childhood sexual abuse issues. And so I... Now, when you say stuck, what what does that look like? uh, Stuck for me is... Stuck is I can't move forward, do more worksheets, I can't go to the next level, or maybe I don't have enough vitality, I can't touch a worksheet, I, I um, uh, 
I'm given visions when when I do when I get down in the worksheet and cancel the goal. It, it says, "What do you see?" And, you know, I see things, and I guess I put myself in a protective mode where I don't want to see it. Um, I I I don't maybe feel supported enough. I don't know how to ask for help for support. Maybe to go through that, that, that is probably it. That everything that I said is it. Mm-hmm. Um, the paralyzed would be another thing. I, I guess uh, a great deal of fear, paral- being paralyzed. And um, the adventures in the past week have been about, I guess, having enough vitality, feeling safe enough. Uh, knowing that I could ask for help, of course, with a little bit of uh, self negative self-talk that if I called you and asked you for help, that I would be rejected. Um, that happened on Father's Day, and um, then I got, then I realized what that rejection was about. The rejection, or the feeling of rejection, was about you haven't done your laws of living homework. You haven't been honest about what you've done with your laws of living homework. And um, so since you haven't done this, you're, you're stuck and you're not going to be able to reach out because you may be rejected. So this is all an internal thought process you're talking about. Absolutely. This is an internal thought process. You need to get your worksheets done. You need to turn in your stuff before you can ask Michael and Jeannie for help. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Where did you create that? Here I am am facing something that's difficult for me, and I can't get the help until after I don't need it. Is that kind of what it's like? It's kind of like the way bankers work. If you need a loan, you you can't have it until you have so much money that you don't need the loan. Then we'll give you a loan. And that's a really good question, Jeannie. I heard you. And um, I think that stems back to, and I'm going to tie this into some other blocks that I have as well, when I was, um, I don't even know what to call this, attacked, assaulted. I, I, I need to work, look up the words on what these words mean. But when I was attacked by um, the manager of the fast food restaurant that I worked at when I was 16, I stuffed that so deep, I didn't ask for any anybody for help with that. Matter of fact, I stayed at that job until I was a senior in high school. I was a sophomore when I I took that job. And um, I I didn't report it. I forgot about it after it happened. After I walked up the stairs, I forgot about it. And it was until I got, was two years sober that I remembered it. And um, I didn't ask for help then. And then a lot of my academia um, being the ability to do math because I was in advanced math classes at that time, and the and I was in it um, my junior year. I ended up in an advanced English class, and my ability to write and my ability to do math is attached to that trauma. And I went from being an AB student with the the. I was going to go to the University of Illinois, which is a very prestigious college, and I was going to be a veterinarian, and um, went to barely graduating from high school. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the things that need to be written, like there are two things that I need to give to Jeannie to be written. Um, I, have, I haven't been able to do it. I have my purpose statement to write to be on the website, and I have um, her endorsement to do. I haven't been able to do it. And Dr. Phil asked me for a proposal um, in order to introduce still point breathing to his practice, and um, I haven't been able to write that, those things out. I'm totally and completely blocked. I sit down to write, and I panic. And Sounds like that it. word paralyzed fits in there. Absolutely. So paralyzed, you know, when you, say, when you mention it, you mentioned paralyzed as feeling paralyzed. But I think paralyzed 
is maybe a state of physiology or a state of mind, what would the feeling that goes along with it, what would the thinking that goes along with it be? When when you were saying it and when you were starting to talk, um, when I originally called in about this, because I had called in about seeing the Fifty Shades of Grey, and Jeannie was talking about um, there's actually three responses. Um, there is fight, there is flight, and there is freeze. And I never heard the freeze part. And that's exactly what I did when this was happening to me. I froze. And and the thinking that was going through my mind is don't move. <laughs> don't move, don't respond. You're only gonna your only way to survive is to stay frozen and to not respond. So you still haven't gone on the feeling. Okay, the feeling. I would say total and complete unadulterated care. Are you breathing? I don't know. Okay, why don't you just pay attention and and we'll invite everybody that's listening to breathe as well, if anybody's holding your breath. This is a more common issue than the world would uh, have us believe. And so let's all just take a minute and we'll just breathe with you. And invite you to recognize that while there's a part of your mind that's frozen in that terror and that experience that you're now safe and you're not there anymore. So you can let that open and let that go. You can unfreeze the skills and the parts of your mind that you put on hold at that point and bring the presence of love to them. I just invite everybody to spray the energy of love in your direction. If that can soften and open. it's safe to embrace every dynamic of that experience from your present state of being. Can I offer something to Absolutely. Um, And I offer this, Gail, because you and I have talked and I've been there too and experienced that. And it all fits perfectly because for me anyway, and I believe you had agreed that this is what happened with you, is that I froze, but it was also, you know, Michael talks about um, dissociating being that you deny and you dissociate that what's happened is yours, but there's also a disassociation, which is what I did when I froze. And it's like you step outside your body so that you can no longer um, it helps to make the pain and what's happening more tolerable and so feeling safe enough to come back into your body is what came to me when you talk about not feeling safe enough to go forward and to look at the issues so taking that breath and, and being safe enough to actually come back into your physical body and face it because and One of the things I remember in the first women's intensive that I did, there was a lady that kind of went through that. And what I did, I noticed she kept closing her eyes. And so I went over and held her hands and said, look at me and talk about it. Because when you close your eyes, it's like you go back into the incident. And it's just a memory of the incident. And you survived it. Going through it, you'll survive going through the memory of it. And... So I held her hands and I said, you're in this space. You're not in the time when it happened. I said, so look at me and talk about it and know that you are here. You are in a safe space. You're not back there when it happened. 
So if there's anybody, I know you don't have a support group there, but if there's anybody that you could physically get with and hold their hand or touch them physically and talk about it and keep your eyes open as you talk about it and move through it, I found that that helped get her through it. And, you know, journaling um, about it. I know writing the book that I'm writing has helped me. And one of the things I hear in your voice that resonates for me because I feel like I have moved to a great deeper level too is the ability to be able to actually talk about it without falling apart. And, you know, it's it's a memory of something that happened. And, yes, we have to face it and deal with it. But um, I uh, honor you and give you um, accolades for as far as you've come. I mean, you're able to talk about it uh, and stay in a what appears to me anyway, coming through the phone, a calm space. So I don't know if that'll help, but that's just what came to me as you were talking there. That helps a lot. That helps a lot. And Dr. Tim, when you decide to do your still point breathing, I'd like to be a part of that. I would be more than willing to drive four and a half hours up to see you and and to be a part of that with you and your group. So well, I want to say what, that before I forgot. <laughs> okay. Well, it, what's coming to mind for me as I listen to this is I've worked with so many people who are ready and willing to go through the memories and dissolve them, as, as Michael was saying, to get all of that energy out of your system related to that and to do exactly what Jeannie was just talking about. This is one of the most effective tools we have in resolving trauma and it's being scientifically demonstrated that I can hold the awareness that I'm here as an adult and at the same time expand my awareness to this other part of me, this other part of my mind or my energy system that remembers everything about the sights and sounds and emotions and conclusions that I downloaded at the time of the trauma and just alternate back and forth between the two, holding the truth of the awareness of both of these conflicting energy states. And in that process, with the appropriate support and when needed some additional tools, my mind says, oh, these can't both be true. Let me resolve it in a way that lets me move forward. So uh, part of me was thinking, well, it'd be great if Gail drove back up here again and we did some of that trauma work and helped her move right through she's done so much of the laying the foundation with Jeannie and Michael's support and her own work that it's um you're you're right there at the threshold ready to just step through into a whole new level of being able to access and move through what you say is blocking you understood and thank you for the offer and we will have a conversation What what was moving for me while I was breathing, uh, a lot of solar plexus chakra energy, and it seemed to be shooting down to the sacral chakra, and a lot of energy was moving, and throat chakra as well. And as you breathe into that, remember that integrated into that whole conversation is the active presence of love that to the degree you can as you move through this, as Tim suggested, that you can bring forward that presence of love. And there's a whole community all over the globe right now just focusing that presence of love on you. And that's the master energy that dissolves it. So acknowledge yourself for uh, for the level of support you've created Thank you. I most definitely did not have it then. I am. I will have to investigate. My my mom kept saying, "What happened to you? Your sophomore year in high school," and I could never give her an answer because I couldn't remember. And when she was dying, she said she asked me again, "What happened to you?" Um, because this the the my behavior after that started to create. 
um, well, there was a lot of discourse anyway, but I became a scapegoat for her and my stepdad, just a target, a constant target after that. And then I started to become a scapegoat for my dad as well and, and my stepmother just a source of gossip and criticism and nobody would talk to me. Nobody would asked me, but they would talk about me and I've created those dynamics over and over again um, as well. And so, yeah, there, there's a lot of energy behind this and a lot of energy. I was finally able to tell her probably a week before she died that this is what happened to me. And she just sat there and cried. Um, yeah, I could only imagine how a mom would feel hearing that from her daughter. Did she share whether anything like that had ever happened to her? I would make assumptions. I could only make assumptions, but I don't know. And that the only reason that I would make those kind of assumptions would be based on the kind of men that she draws it, drew into her life, like my dad um, and my stepfather and their dynamics. And also, when I asked her as a kid, you, you ask your parents, you know, tell me some memories of childhood, and she couldn't remember anything from childhood. So that that's a pretty good sign, as well. Yeah. As far as as knowing, um, I keep investigating whether my grandfather was a perpetrator, and I I honestly don't think that he was. But um, anyway, more will be revealed, and and of course, the main thing you want to do at this point is be conscious of your thinking. And that any thoughts that surface from that experience, from the having gone through that and the thoughts that came with it, as they surface, remember that you're not interested in buying them, you're interested in forgiving them. You're not interested in creating an identity based in them, you're interested in just breathing, softening, and letting them go. You know, there's the, uh, the king who offered half his kingdom to the person. I guess he was manic depressive and, you know, he'd be in such highs and then he'd be in such lows. And he said, half of my kingdom to someone who can make me happy when I'm sad and sad when I'm happy. And the, the person who got half the kingdom was the person who gave him the, the coin that said, this too will pass on it. Mm. And to remember that you're accessing these energies not to get locked in them. You know, oftentimes, especially with something where there's that frozen state with something like sexual abuse, it's so intense. It's so um, such a violation of the energy system that one can build an identity on it and get lost in those thoughts as though those thoughts were life itself and who I am. And to remember that rather than building an identity based in it, the idea of surfacing these thoughts is to allow the active presence of love to dissolve them, to recognize that there is that elemental force, Ruku Dukutcha, you're not on your own. That elemental force that Yeshua talked about is inside of you, and when you invite her into activity, she will, as a feminine elemental force, undo the effects of that energy experience and free you from it. Sometimes Understood. people get stuck. Sometimes people get stuck. I remember back, oh, probably 30 years ago, 28 years ago, something like that, I worked with a therapist in North Carolina, and he'd been doing primal scream therapy for, he was a primal scream therapist and been, I forget how many years, it was 15, 8, 17 years earlier. And so I was doing some forgiveness work with him and still point breathed him, and all of a sudden, he just clicked into this, and I'd never seen it before, this kind of guttural, low scream, kind of a mix of a whine and a cry. And 
And it's like, okay, well, let's breathe, breathe. And he, he wouldn't breathe. He just went into this, ah, you know, it's like after this went on for about 10 minutes. And I said, well, you know, what's happening for you? Oh, I remember when my mother uh, wouldn't feed me. And I was so painful. I was rejected. I said, hmm. And when did you first get in touch with this? He says, oh, when I worked with Janov 17 years ago doing primal scream. It's like you're a therapist and 17 years later you're still hanging out with the same thing you got in touch with back then. The idea isn't to build an identity. The idea is to dissolve it, to be willing to just let it go and be free of that energetic offense. And that's where Ruka comes in. That's where the breath comes in, that she will flush and wash that clean so that literally, you know, if you if we go to the definition, and this is why for recovery we're not on our own, if we go to the definition of Ruku Dukucha, it's been translated as the Holy Spirit from the Aramaic, it was translated that way by the Greeks, but it's got nothing to do with the disembodied spirit being. It's literally a feminine elemental force based in love that's there to help us to undo the effects of errors and teach us the truth. And all of the effects, the chemical effects in the cell, the emotional effects in the, in the physiology, the results that have been produced from that trauma through the years of holding it, this elemental force being omnipresent can reach out. And of course, our own free will will never be violated. So if I choose to use this as an identity, as a way to get attention, as you know, whatever, if I choose it that way, then I can stay with it that way. And unless I'm willing to have that cracked and removed, that elemental force will respect your choice, your free will, and not touch it. But the instant I'm willing to ask for it to truly be re- dissolved, it will be dissolved. Well, I will mention three more things. Go and, for it. Um, um, the one thing that I wanted to mention is that, uh, and this is totally and completely off topic, um, Dale Allen Hoffman is having a retreat this weekend in Oswego, and I um, with um, and I will be there on Saturday if anybody else is going to be there. So I was just going to mention that real quick, and then um, also uh, my grandson is in the hospital. Um, in uh, Springfield, Illinois, which is an hour and a half away from where I'm at. Um, basically, the hospitals in southern Illinois are, are um, triage hospitals, and they transport um, uh, cases to other hospitals like to St. Louis or to Springfield. And um, he has a, an enlarged lymph node that they thought if it got bigger, it would block his airway. It's in his neck. And um, he's on IV antibiotics at this time. And his doctor also wanted to see him see a pediatric ears, nose, and throat doctor. So if, if everybody could send their energy in his general direction, um, that would be fantastic. Um, I haven't heard really anything else. He may be released late tonight or tomorrow. Um, he goes to the other grandparents who are heavy smokers. Both of them are heavy smokers. And um, in that process, my thinking is that his thinking is that he's being abandoned or he he gives up and that's why he gets sick. This is the third time he's been sick like this. Um, A lot of upper respiratory infection type things. And so, you know, prayers for his parents to make different decisions and um, holding the space um, for his care. Um, my daughter's in a in a, a relationship that um, her fiancé is very controlling, and um, she has a lot of fear. She makes a lot of decisions based on fear. Um, and when she's in that situation, she... She pushes away from me because she can only listen to, you know, him and and his parents. His parents are very controlling as well. And so I get pushed out of the picture quite a bit in the situation. 
and I'm grateful for these tools because I can hold the space and I haven't been up there yet. Um, but I've been sending him, I've been holding the space for him. I've been sending him Reiki. I've been connecting to him on a, um, a spiritual level and I know that he's going to be okay. So I'm actually in a pretty good place considering <laughs> everything yeah. that's going on. Well, we hold the space and see that lymph node softening and being able to flow, let the energy flow through it and whatever's blocking it up. It it might be a time to get some concise information about especially a developing set of lungs and a developing body, growing body, and the impact of secondhand smoke on the upper respiratory system. It might just be worth presenting that to your uh, your daughter and her uh, fiancé and, uh, you know, it's... pretty intense for a child to be in that environment. And then, of course, uh, the emotional component of why do people take such a deep anesthetic as nicotine and 500 other chemicals? Usually there's a whole lot of other dynamics going on. And so we just hold the space for your, your grandson to be impervious to all of that and let that energy loosen and flow through his lymphatics. Thank you. I will do a very brief right. synopsis of the um, my processing from last Monday. Um, it, it started with my other daughter. I have twin daughters that are 25 years old. Um, this is my oldest by a minute. Um, she was having uh, problems with her car, and um, I live two hours away from her. She's um, back where we're originally from, which is Bloomington Normal, Illinois. She's going to school to be a teacher. She's taking a four-hour biology class during summer session, which is pretty intense. Um, it's uh, two and a half hours an evening for four days a week, and she was having car problems. And her father is close to her. Um, I started doing a series of worksheets on her dad before this all happened um, based on an incident that happened while I was pregnant with my daughter 26 years ago. And then it dropped down into doing worksheets about um, my dad. And then I ended up doing, I have been doing about, I'd say, 60 worksheets on my dad. I have a lot of goals to cancel for my dad. And um, what has happened with this is... um, uh, just a lot of energy movement. Um, according to Louise Hay, the um, the um, where we soar our weight tells you what kind of energy you're you're holding, and um, so a lot of thigh and buttock stuff. Um, I always used to, when we would do processing at the intensive in Florida that. <laughs> I would talk about having a butt burn, um, meaning that it was like exercising, like doing Jane Fonda's aerobics or something. It was I could feel the burn because that was the kind of energy that was um, that was moving in the thighs and a lot of abdominal movement as well. And by last Friday, I had developed a urinary tract infection by the time that I left work. And according to Louise Hay as well, you know, who are you pissed at? And I was very much what was coming up for me was pissed off at my former for his lack of help with my daughter with the car and also at my dad starting to drill down and to cancel all these goals that I had for him. And um, a lot a lot of movement in the, the abdominals. Um, during this whole worksheet process and um, I think I told you that I released at least five pounds during all this Um, and I used the oregano oil um, to combat it and um, taking that and also using um, silver water and um, of course gallons of cranberry juice and uh, cumarin which has um, willow bark in it it's a natural anti-inflammatory medication that's in in a capsule form. So I wanted to add that in case anybody else ends up with a urinary tract infection and they don't want to take antibiotics, they want to do something natural. 
But anyway, I just wanted to talk about that energy movement. And um, when I left to go to Gathering Forefathers Day that my stepmother was hosting, um, I went to the door, I was ready to walk out, and I peed my pants. And um, you and I had talked about fear. Um, Louise Hay talks about, um, you know, children that wet their bed are usually afraid of their father. Um, so that's where bedwetting comes from. And it just the, the, I just wanted to talk about and see what you had to say about um, that kind of energy movement and, and, um, and see if I have anything else to add to the story because I'm, I'm pretty choppy right now about it. But anyway, I'll listen. And so what's happening with your breath? That's very sporadic as well. <laughs> oh, okay. She might just really want to pay deep attention to that. And it sounds like you're you're doing all of the above around what's moving in each arena. So it sounds like you're right on track. I, I'm not sure uh, Bernie Saunders would appreciate the uh, the connotation of feel the burn. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, it sounds. I mean, it sounds like you're just you're moving the layers, and that's uh, that's the key to it all. Gotcha. So I don't have any other specific input, uh, Jeannie, Doctor Tim. No, sounds like you're right on track, and just um, you know, your willingness is awesome to just keep going through it, even though you say that, you know, you got stuck and you're paralyzed and, and everything, it still sounds like you're taking the steps to move forward. So I offer be gentle with yourself, you know, just keep taking step at a time and, you know, avoid trying to storm the gates and get it all done overnight. But it sounds like you're moving in the right direction and your willingness sounds phenomenal. And I, I honor you for that. Thank you. Thank you. I was most definitely wanting to storm the gates. <laughs> for sure. And, and yes, ma'am. you can ask for help, young lady. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay, sister. It's what we're here for five days a week. Gotcha. And I, I would agree, and I would just add that I was hearing um, what struck me as some intense emotion around your statement that um, that kind of issue from Louise Hay or whatever relates to fear of the father. So I would just do a little bit more of the I, all above in that area. Yeah, I have extreme fear of him, um, and and he is one of my perpetrators. Well, let's very, let's very be clear about it. Well. Let, let's be clear about it. You have the fear, and it can get triggered by him. Thank you for the clarification. So I did not go to the Father's Day thing, but I did talk to him yesterday, and the conversation went amazingly well. Um, A lot of the goals that I canceled is that I receive a lot of criticism from him and, you know, um, treat me with dignity and respect, talk about me in the highest regard, talk to me, um, get to know me. Um, And so... He actually, he usually when I call, he hands the phone off to my stepmother. This time he actually talked to me. And when I started to talk about Aramaic forgiveness and where I'm at with it, um, meaning, you know, implementing groups and and facilitating still point breathing, he actually listened to what still point breathing is about and um, was asking questions about what kind of trauma are you talking about that you hold your breath for? So he's a Vietnam vet. I don't know. That might've been one of the reasons why he was um, asking about that. So it, it, go ahead. I was just going to say, it sounds like you're opening a different kind of space with him. That's awesome. And I take it all those goals that you mentioned around him, you've been canceling. Yes. Yeah. Fabulous. 
So how about you, a uh, mind shifter? Go ahead. I knew you were going to say that. That's why I had my piece of paper and pencil right here. All right. Go for it. And for anybody that's new to the show, just a brief explanation of what a mind shifter is. In the context of this work, a mind shifter is a thought about an issue in your life around which you have negative thoughts. And it's the opportunity to surface, process, and release the negative thought. And the way you do that is by using the thought as a catalyst. And so if this you know, issue is, is there or up for anyone uh, that is identifying with it, then you might try working with this mind shifter. And the way you work with it is you take a piece of paper and you know, draw a line down the page. And the left-hand side of the line, you write the mind shifter. And you use that as a catalyst to resonate and do kind of a mind jump to let whatever moves in response to that thought. You know, if I say don't think about the color of your car, the brain doesn't move or about the color of your car. It's just the way the mind works through resonance. So the mind shifter, if you let yourself focus on it, will allow you to drill down into deeper parts of the mind. And so the mind shifter I would offer that might be useful here might be it's safe in healing for me to stay fully connected to love and present. When anyone, especially my father, criticizes me. Okay, please repeat. It's easy for me to stay connected to love and be fully present. When anyone, especially my father, criticizes me. What does that do to your breath? Oh, I stopped. <laughs> okay. So that'll be a good one to work with and just peel those layers up. And it sounds like you're a good part of the way there with that phone call you had yesterday. And, you know, when you look at what men were going through at the time they were young boys and growing up in the culture, the, the time frame of your father, and then what they went through going to Vietnam. It was crazy. And so it sounds like you become the target of some of your father's craziness. And as you allow yourself to soften and are able to embrace the impact of that, along with the impact of that abuse issue, that you'll be able to take that whole mass of energy and move it out and just stand as the presence of love and perhaps become the catalyst that helps open the critical mass for men who've been abused. And would you say it's very easy, the propaganda that was going on during the Vietnam era and the Korean War era, you know, we need to fight communism, we need to go over there, blah, blah, blah. It seems very similar. It feels very similar to the anti-Muslim propaganda that's going on now. And he seems to be falling into that very easily. With, with yeah, the evil mind the, changes enemy like, you know, like an athlete okay, changes okay. socks. <laughs> exactly. So, okay, you know, I just there's, wanted there's a particular I want that validation. Yeah, if there's a particular state of mind, anybody who triggers it will serve, you know, uh, my my worst enemy or my best friend, you know, in, in the extreme. If there are no enemies around to put it on, then, you know, we've all watched it when somebody turned that mindset on a best friend, a spouse, a parent. Yeah, agreed. I've had that happen to me as well. And, yeah. And so it's about softening, breathing into, staying connected to the active presence of love which is the space where that energy has nowhere to stick. It's experienced. It's insane. I take action and do behaviors that come from love to handle and deal with that energy, and I move forward as love. Maintaining awareness of who I am rather than getting lost in an identity I built based on some insane behavior that happens to me or around me. Understood and agreed. Yeah, recovering being. Holding to, the practice of holding to, 
consciously, purposely, the active presence of love when something different is moving in my carbon-based memory system. And sometimes, while you can be in touch with the event that was specific or the events that have happened to you, oftentimes those things were also triggers to genetic events that also need to be addressed and removed. And that's where Ruka comes in with support and assistance. Understood. And would you add past life events as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the whole genetic chain, whichever way it's, uh, it was established. I so am complete. And we have five minutes. Yay. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we'll invite anyone who's ready to take their work to the next level. That to be aware that uh, Heartland will be doing two major intensives. The nine-day wise is happening to me again, the 16-day laws of living. If you're ready to take your work to the next level, and uh, we're still kind of tweaking our uh, our new database system, so we haven't settled on a final, but it looks like probably the um, the offer of the 15 free DVDs with registration for the intensive will will be good until the end of the month. So anybody who's ready to do an intensive, if you're planning to do that, you might as well uh, step forward and register and uh, take advantage of that offer. There's $600 worth of DVDs that will be freely given as part of registration. And our encouragement is for people to take those and begin to work with them and listen and listen and build brain cells and build brain cells. And that's what's to, what makes the next intensive more meaningful. So, And Jeannie, do we have anything happening in the chat room or anybody else with a hand up? Um, nobody has a hand up, and uh, the chat room is, is quiet. Uh, we're down to two minutes, though, so we really don't have time to take on another one. Um, okay. Just uh, ask again you- for I'm, – I'm actually um, a little amazed, I guess. Um, you know, we put out the request for, uh, if people were interested in the member site – uh, that we were doing the fundraiser, and, and um, we've had three people, <laughs> and that's it. So, um, you know, without the funds, we can't go forward with that. And so hopefully for wants us, to support. I was just going to say, as soon as um, the 4th of July week is, is finished, we're going to be going back down to Florida and packing up and everything, so hold the space for us as we travel back up heartland yeah well that you know that uh, minute or so that we've got left maybe we'll put out this request we've been talking about you know we had um we had a house in ellington florida for the winter to carry these projects forward and several of them are on you know completion and moving forward and there's still more work to be done so we're going to uh we're, we're putting out the request asking if anyone would have a space and we're going to head back to Heartland mid-July, then the intensive finishes, the loss of living finishes in uh, mid-September. Uh, and beyond that date, we're, uh, we're going to ask if there's anyone that uh, might have a space that they'd be willing to offer us for um, a, a private space that will give us the space to spend several months working on the writing and the other projects, finishing the, uh, the DVDs up and such for the member site and uh, the upgrade of social media uh, happenings. So if anybody's got a space that they might uh, have, we'd need, you know, a good solid internet. And of course, we want to be somewhere that's not in the middle of winter. So if anybody might have a space that they'd be willing to provide us with, that would be awesome. And beyond that, we're honored that you're here to have this conversation. And we hold the space for you to have the best year yet of your eternal life. Blessings. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the Internal Aramaic Process of Forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Earth Angels Radio. 
For more on Michael, myself, or Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.